Welcome to the Natural Health for People and Pets podcast, a show that aims to empower you with the knowledge and tools needed to take control of your own health and well-being, as well as providing health-promoting strategies for the dogs in your life. The world of health and nutrition can be overwhelming, so what better way to understand what works and what doesn't, what's evidence-based and what's not, than to hear it from someone in the know? So, please welcome your host of the show, accredited naturopath and nutritionist, Narelle Cook. Welcome back to Natural Health for People and Pets. I'm co-host of the show, Glenn Cook, and I'm going to introduce the host of the show, Narelle Cook. Hello, everyone. Back again for another episode, but before we do that, we've got sponsors to thank for their generosity in providing this show to your listeners. I know, they're very generous. So our first sponsor, as always, is Big Dog Pet Foods. They are an Australian company that have been manufacturing raw pet foods for 20 years now. There's so many raw food companies popping up all over the place, but Mm. they've been in it for the long haul, so they really are the experts in their field. Lots of reasons why I love Big Dog for our dogs and my client's dogs and everyone else's dogs (laughs) is that they only use human-grade ingredients. They don't add in anything synthetic or artificial into their food. Their meals are nutritionally complete and balanced, so your vet can rest assured that your dog is getting everything that they need. Another great thing is they offer a really wide variety of different protein sources in their raw food patties, so really something for every dog. They have great treats, the freeze-dried little bites, Mm -hmm. which make great treats, but if you've got a small dog, they also make a nutritionally complete and balanced like whole meal, so that's good too. You know what I like about Big Dog? They're all in-house. They're a one-stop shop. They do everything. They're all locally produced. They mix it all. They bag it all. They do the whole range in-house. It's fantastic. If you go onto their YouTube channel and see what they do and how they do all their product and how they produce it all, it's absolutely fantastic. It is. Their transparency in an industry that's typically very cloak and dagger Mm. is really refreshing. And it just goes to show that, you know, they don't have anything to hide. They're proud of what they're manufacturing and they're producing Mm. for the health and well-being of our dogs. Yes. And cats. Yes. Check out their website, bigdogpetfoods.com. They've got an amazing resource center full of articles, guides, and frequently asked questions. Like their Facebook page and like their Instagram page, Big Dog Pet Foods. Our next sponsor is Bell & Bone. So they are also an Australian company that make a range of dental sticks, collagen sticks, superfood treats, and freeze-dried treats as well. Bell & Bone believe in using quality ingredients and providing complete transparency again when it comes to what they're putting in all of their products. All of the ingredients in the Bell & Bone range are natural and healthy. And when it comes to the dental sticks and the collagen sticks, there's real meat as the actual main ingredient, which again is not the norm if people actually read ingredients for what they're buying off the shelf Mm -hmm. from pet stores and supermarkets. So the good thing about the dental sticks with Bell & Bone is that they actually contain two key active ingredients that have been proven to freshen your dog's breath and to fight plaque and tartar. Really, no point giving a dental stick if it doesn't contain these active ingredients because it's like us cleaning our teeth with a toothbrush and no toothpaste. Okay, that sounds good. It's going to have a little bit of benefit, but not the full benefits. How'd they get the name Bell and Bone? Where'd that come from? That's a good question. I should ask Ariane, who is the founder of Bell and Bone. Yes. Yeah, we should do a little deep dive into that and find out how she named her company. We should interview. Why not? Yes, the story of so, Bell and Bone. Ariane, if you're listening, why don't you organise something to come onto the show and talk about Bell and Bone and how you got into your dental sticks and your products. Yep. It was like, I know her story was one of see, need, fill, and need. She wanted something better quality for her dog that she just couldn't find on the market. But beyond that, I would love to know more of the background story and the journey. Mm. Okay, that's good. Watch this space, listeners. You can find the Bell & Bone products 
in store at your favourite pet specialty store Australia-wide. You can go to their website, balanbone.com.au. And as a special for listeners of this show, you can get 20% off the full range using the coupon code LADYBUG. Oh, LADYBUG. That's one word, LADYBUG. Mm. So definitely get onto their website and take advantage of 20% off. That's huge. And because they said LADYBUG. Absolutely. Yep. Our final sponsor is CBD Vets Australia. Listeners might recall that we interviewed Dr. Christopher Lee, Mm -hmm. the veterinary director of CBD Vets Australia, back in episode 22 about the use of CBD specifically in pets. Mm -hmm. Then we interviewed Sarah Kirke a couple of episodes later in episode 25. So Sarah is the head pharmacist for both CBD Vets Australia and a new online initiative called CA Connect. So if you want to learn more about that, go and listen to the show. Mm. So that was really fascinating. I really enjoyed talking to Sarah. Likewise. CBD Vets Australia are an Australian company that support Australian vets with the education and the access to legal medicinal cannabis treatments for our pets. So again, you know, we've said this before, one of our French bulldogs, Opie, Mm. has been using CBD sourced from CBD Vets Australia mm-hmm. for a decent while now, more definitely more than six months. Yeah, I'd say more than six months, yep. With really good results. Like everything, it may not be suitable for your dog, but to learn more about CBD Vets Australia and how they can help your pet, definitely check out their website, cbdvetsaustralia.com.au. It's full of resources, frequently asked questions, They've got a contact form where you can get in touch with CBD Vets Australia directly. Mm. And like I said, to actually see if CBD is an appropriate treatment solution for your pet. Lots of really good sponsors and resources there. Yeah, I agree. So before we jump into the show, considering that you have your own product to talk about as well, and you're going to talk about one of those, but let's talk about the range just before we leap into the show, which is... Yes, I should sponsor myself so I can add my blurb to the beginning (laughs) of the show. Caneutical's is my new supplement range for dogs exclusively. Yes. We may expand that down the track, but now it's just all about the dogs. It was designed because I wasn't happy with the quality of the supplements that were available for me when my dogs really needed it the most. Mm-hmm. So all the products are based on human grade ingredients, nothing synthetic or artificial, no preservatives, everything's therapeutic dosing, a lot of good research behind it and the quality is absolutely premium. Absolutely. The one great thing that you don't advertise a lot, which I keep getting onto you about, is all the great testimonials that you're getting from people saying what a magnificent change it's made for their pets. Even one of the NDTF students was raving about your products the other day and just said it helped save her dog. That was great to hear. And yeah, appreciate all the testimonials that I do get in. And at some point I will summarize them (laughs) and get them out there for everyone else to be inspired by just the benefits that, you know, you can see with your dog and the changes. Narelle's hands down one of the best in her field for natural therapies and especially all the research that she's been putting into her pet product range, but she's an absolutely terrible marketer and she doesn't back herself because she's too busy studying the next thing that she wants to launch that she doesn't think about, oh, maybe I should put these glowing compliments that people are giving me about my products. Well, you can't be good at everything. See, I'm I'm humble enough to know that marketing and sales is not my strong point. Mm Mm-hmm but you're trying. I am. still all a learning curve when you start new businesses. So Caneutical's, jump onto the website and check out the range. That's C-A-N-I-N-E-C-E-U-T-I-C-A-L-S.com.au. And if you've got any questions about any of the products or how they might apply to your dog, please just email me at info at caneutical's.com.au. And you're going to talk about one of those products today. I am because I love this compound or this ingredient long before caneutical's came to be and it's one of the reasons again that it's part of my range because I've had so much success over the last few years in my clinical practice with my human clients and 
more recently with my dog clients. So I'm like, why wouldn't I have this under the Canine Suticals banner? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite products is Palmitol Ethanol Amide. That can actually be said, I think in the States. Now, let me see if I can get this right. They pronounce it. It depends where you put the accent. Mm-hmm. In Australia, most practitioners say Palmitol Ethanol Amide, which is P.E.A as mm-hmm. the abbreviation. But you can also say Palmitol Ethanolamide or Ethanolamide. That's like aluminium and aluminum. Basically. I mean, who would call aluminium aluminum? Honestly, Americans. Well, let's not go down that path. <laughs> before we get into this, before we actually kick off onto this, I want to endorse this product myself because when I went to the United States in 2020 and I was on the board of directors at that time for the International Association of Canine Professionals, the IACP, the then president, Melanie Benware, I was staying at her house. Her and her husband, Jason, were very kind and they opened the house to me and took me in. And when I went over there, Narelle said, because of this COVID thing going on, I'm going to give you a jar of this pee to take over. She gave me the dosage rates and said, you should take some every morning and blah, blah, blah. As it stands, I'm not sure if I absolutely, because it was unconfirmed at the moment, there wasn't enough information or there wasn't any tests that they could do right at that point in time. But I got something like a COVID sort of symptom. It was either COVID or it was the flu, but it it was pretty aggressive and it knocked me on my ass for about two and a half weeks. One of the things that gave me relief was I was dosing up on the pee while I was over there. And I think that was only the one of the things that actually gave me relief and helped me up able to sleep and give me some pain relief and everything like that. Mm. I had no appetite at all, but I was actually looking forward to the pee because it actually tasted nice. And Mm. I felt like it actually gave me relief from the pain of the symptoms that I was having over there. So I am a personal advocate of it Mm. because I've tried it on myself. I believe it worked. As we go through the show, we'll talk about why it was potentially helpful for Mm. you in that situation. But I do have to say the mention of pee for use with COVID symptom is in no way an endorsement that pee is a treatment or a cure for COVID. Practitioners need to be careful. No, but it's not about that. It was about the pain relief, not about the treatment for COVID. You didn't say... Well, we didn't know about it. We didn't know about it. We didn't know what what the symptoms were or anything like that. But you just said, in case you do have any problems or, Mm. you know, like catch anything when you're over there, take this because I believe it will help. It's just really important that I'm clear with the listeners about that. Yeah, I understand that. I know Um, that you've got an ethical obligation obligation. Mm -hmm. to put that clause in there. Yes, I agree. (laughs) And I know that you didn't tell me it was going to be a cure for COVID. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of what P is all about. So Mm. whenever I say P... It's not just the letter P, it's P-E-A as an abbreviation for palmitol ethanol amide because Mm -hmm. who wants to say that mouthful a million times? Especially when you can just say P. That's it. Mm. As I've sort of alluded to, it's a natural health molecule and it's been studied for over 80 years now. So it's been around for a while. It's made naturally in the body, but it's also found in various foods, things like eggs, milk, cheese, meats, peanuts, human breast milk, lecithin, and, you know, quite a few other things. And the way P was discovered was really interesting. I love origin stories of health things. Because that's what you do. Yeah. Well, it was like with SB, the Saccharomyces boulardii, you know, it's just happened that this switched on researcher, you know, actually tested what the people were drinking at the time and isolated SB. And now that's a huge worldwide success for gut issues. Mm-hmm. And with P, again, a researcher back in the late 1930s, early 1940s, he noticed that the incidence of rheumatic fever was higher in undernourished children whose diets were low in eggs as compared to children who 
had more eggs or egg powder added to their diet. So, you know, that really baffled him. Like, why were this group of children getting rheumatic fever and this other group not? So he looked into it and ended up isolating pea from the egg yolk. So the research took off from there. And other early research in sort of the late 1960s, early 1970s highlighted the benefits of pea against the influenza virus. So Mm -hmm. this is what ties back in with, you know, your experience with pea. Mm. But the studies showed even back then that pea was able to significantly, and when I say significantly, that means statistically significantly, reduce flu symptoms like fever, headaches, sore throat, muscle pain, coughs, fatigue. They showed that it reduced the days lost to illness. And the best bit was that there were no side effects. And the studies that were done also found that it was an effective influenza uh, prophylaxis. So it was a great preventative as well. Mm. Hang on. Let's just circle back for a second. When you were saying eggs and powdered eggs, who eats powdered eggs? I'm not sure, but that's what they did. They gave, to test the theory, they gave certain children egg yolk powder and they didn't get sick as often. So that's a thing, is it? Like an egg yolk powder? It must be. <laughs> <laughs> I was stuck on that point when you were talking about powdered eggs because I don't think I've ever heard of powdered eggs before. I'm sure you can. I like I'm sure you can get powdered egg. There you go. I was unaware that you would actually fry or boil an egg and then dehydrate it and powder it. Well, anything goes, doesn't it really? It does, it does. So coming back to pea. Yes. It's what's referred to as an endocannabinoid like compound. So it falls under the umbrella of the endocannabinoid system in the body. And, you know, most people are aware that the body has multiple systems that help to regulate and maintain like normal homeostasis or balance in the body. So things like the nervous system, the circulatory system, you know, immune, endocrine, gastrointestinal system, just like these other systems that we're more familiar with, the endocannabinoid system is a really important biological system that regulates and balances like a really wide range of different physiological functions in the body. And the way that P works with the endocannabinoid system is by regulating endocannabinoid signaling, but indirectly activating cannabinoid receptors. So it's those cannabinoid receptors that CBD, for example, like CBD oil mm. that we're using on OP, yep. it targets those receptors directly to get the benefits, whereas P comes at it from a different angle and affects something else, which then affects the receptors, but you end up with the same downstream benefits overall. Okay. So it's sort of working on that those same pathways that CBD oil is working on, which is why as we go through, you'll see why it's so great for things like chronic pain. Mm. Any imbalances in the endocannabinoid system, whether it's in us or our dogs, has been shown to contribute to the development of lots of really different pathological conditions and disorders. And what makes pea so unique is that it's naturally made by the body whenever the body feels threatened. So for example, pea levels increase when like us or our dogs are subject to stress, and that could be psychological stress or physical stress. If we suffer from infections, whether that's bacterial or viral, various forms of inflammation, trauma, allergies, pain, heart or kidney disease, and even obesity, because a lot of people don't realize obesity is a very inflammatory state for the body to be in and adipose tissue or fat tissue pretty much acts like an endocrine organ itself. And it can release a lot of hormones, but also a lot of inflammatory compounds. Pretty amazing. When our body feels threatened, literally it makes more pee to deal with the threat. Did you say what part of the body makes pee? It's present all over the body. Right. Pretty much in all parts of the body. Pee is our go-to molecule. It's our dog's go-to molecule to restore balance in the body and to maintain really good cellular health. 
Unfortunately, due to our current lifestyles, both for us and our dogs, you know, we're just constantly bombarded with lots of different, you know, whether it's external or internal stresses on a daily basis. So external can be a lot of environmental toxins and all that sort of thing. And evidence suggests that when this happens, the body's natural production of pee simply can't keep up with demand. So in these instances, what the research is now showing that giving our dogs or giving ourselves a supplemental form of pee has been shown to bridge that gap between what the body needs and what it can actually produce under those stressful conditions Mm. to provide the health benefit. It's particularly in terms of the research, the benefits really revolve around inflammation, pain, like joint pain, nerve pain, and allergy symptoms. And I'm going to sort of dig into each of those in a little bit more detail, but we really do. Like even some of the papers, you know, that are out there about pee, you know, some of them start off by saying the world we live in and our lifestyles are so toxic now, like, you know, ultra processed food, um, you know, all the chemicals, whether it's coming from the air, the water, the food, all the stress in our lives. Because remember, stress has a significant effect on health as well. Our bodies are just constantly battling to stay in balance. But we've got to remember our bodies, there is an onslaught into our bodies every day and anything that pulls the body out of balance puts a stress on the body to try and pull everything back Mm. into that homeostatic sort of balance. But let's look at a few of the main areas that pee targets. And when I talk about these different areas, just as applicable to humans as it is to dogs. I mean, probably lots of other species, but I don't know about those. Chronic pain management is a major challenge, whether it's in human medicine or veterinary medicine. I see this a lot in my clinic. It has a significant impact on quality of life Mm. for people when they're in chronic pain. People who have never experienced chronic pain, I'm one of them, but I just can't imagine how that feels day to day to sort of live in that state. And depending on its origin, you know, chronic pain can be classified as inflammatory, which we might see in the various musculoskeletal conditions like osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, hip and elbow dysplasia, things like that. Or it can be neuropathic, which relates to the nerves. That can be any disease that arrives through injury to the central or the peripheral nervous systems. So when we're looking, let's start with, say, neuropathic pain, it's actually really like one of the most difficult chronic pain conditions to treat because any damage caused by long-term compression or inflammation of the nerves, it actually allows the nerves to continue to send that pain signal to the brain even after the original cause of the pressure on the nerves has been removed. So it's called pain memory. And it can lead to pain sensitization where the threshold of pain receptors to stimuli is reduced. So even a really light touch on the affected area is going to induce the sensation of pain long after the original insult. Mm -hmm. Don't know if I explained that well, but that's one of the reasons why nerve pain and dealing with nerve pain is so complex because there's just this cascade of inflammatory compounds that get released. And one of the sort of main cells that does that, and we've spoken about this in relation to mast cells. So mast cells in the body are a type of immune cell, but when Mm. they degranulate or break down, they release histamine. Oh, the histamine episode. So they release histamine, but they also release a lot of other really inflammatory compounds that just exacerbate and sensitize the nerves even more. So when researchers have looked at all the different various pain conditions and the different models of pain, they've actually seen a significant decrease in plasma or blood P levels And by increasing those blood P levels, it was shown to lessen the perception of pain and to increase that pain threshold, which is really good if that's what you're experiencing. But this is another little fun fact. 
when I was looking into pee, it's been recently discovered that certain families that have inherited pain insensitivity, so these are people that feel absolutely no physical pain, which might, you know, people might go, oh, how awesome would that be to feel no pain? But it's a really dangerous mm, state to live in. Absolutely, especially with infection and... Someone can, I don't know, you could cut yourself really badly and, and if you did bleed out. And bleed out, but if you didn't physically see it, you mm. wouldn't know it because you wouldn't feel it. Yep. So it's actually quite a serious condition or, you know, genetic condition to have. But what they found is that for those people, they've got a genetic variation in the enzyme that breaks down pee and some of its relatives. So basically all of the pee that their body produces naturally, it doesn't get broken down. So they've always got super high levels of pee, Mm -hmm. which is giving them all that absolute pain relief. So like scores more than the average person. Yeah. So they're saying that's part of why these people feel no pain because the pee that would normally get broken down just isn't get broken down. So whether it, I mean, I don't know how it works, but whether it just keeps building up. Fascinating. Can become almost superhuman by having a high gradient of pee in your body. That's it. Mm. And the thing is, like the research demonstrates that pee has a clear pain-blocking effect, but because it works differently in the body as compared to, say, conventional like steroidal or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, pee can relieve pain without the common side effects that people might experience from you know, taking pain medication. But the good thing is, too, it can also be used in conjunction with other pain meds and there's no interactions, and I'll probably touch on that a little bit more mm. as we go along. Another really great thing about pee when it comes to treating chronic pain, and this is really important, is that it doesn't develop pharmacological tolerance. So it doesn't lose effectiveness over time, as you might see with something like opioid medication. So, you know, with opioids, the longer you take it, the more you have to take to get the same pain relief mm-hmm. effect. And that can be hugely problematic for people and can lead to, you know, lots of nasty side effects and not a good place to be in. You don't develop tolerance to pee, so you know you don't need an increasing levels to get the same effect. But it's also been shown to delay the development of tolerance of things like morphine. So like I said, you might develop a tolerance to it and need more and more for the same effect. But by combining it with pee, they've found that that delays that tolerance from developing. Okay, That's really important for people who are reliant on pain medication. Mm. And there was a study that showed with oxycodone that when they gave, so there's a level of, you know, there's always a, a level of a drug whereby below that level it doesn't have much effect and above it, it it has an effect. So they gave people sort of a level that wasn't expected to have any pain relieving effects on its own, but when they combined it with P at that same low level, it did have a pain relieving effect. So P was sort of acting synergistically with the drug mm-hmm. to get better benefits. To summarise the literature, some of the conditions for which pee has been shown to be beneficial and provide pain relieving effects across both human and animal studies are things like spinal cord injury. And I've had our French bulldog ladybug on pee ever since she hurt her spine a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. And now that our one of our older shepherds is getting on in years, I've got him on pee now just for support his ageing body as well. Yep. Sciatic nerve injuries, diabetic neuropathic pain, carpal tunnel syndrome. So again, any of those nerve compression syndromes, neuropathic pain that's associated with things like MS, lower back pain, chemotherapy-induced pain, IBS pain, post-surgical pain, fibromyalgia, failed back surgery, osteoarthritic pain, migraine and headache pain. So many people get migraines and headaches. Vitamin D deficiency-induced pain. 
pelvic pain. Women who experience endometriosis or dysmenorrhea, it's been shown to relieve pain in interstitial cystitis and bladder pain, shingles, and a couple of more random studies show that it was beneficial for reducing the pain of burning mouth syndrome and myasthenia gravis. What's burning mouth syndrome? I had to look that up too, but there was... Like it's in a, a few of the review papers on the, the beneficial effects of pee, but it's literally an ongoing or recurrent burning in the mouth with no obvious cause. Mm. So there you go. If you have an unusual ongoing burning sensation in your mouth and you don't know why, maybe try some pee. It's been shown to be effective just for that. Very good. Yeah. That blows me away. Like there's so many conditions that are covered in the research that show quite definitively that pee can have a beneficial effect for people suffering pain Mm. from those states. Moving on to the next main area, and this is more relevant to my dog clients, although any humans experiencing allergies, feel free to jump on board. But when we're talking about allergies, most people understand that antihistamines work by preventing histamine release from mast cells. And, you know, I've sort of already said this, but, you know, when mast cells get triggered – They release compounds such as histamine and prostaglandins and other inflammatory compounds. They also communicate with other key players in the inflammatory process, which sets off this whole inflammatory cascade. And because mast cells are present pretty much all over the body, but they're mostly concentrated where the internal body meets the external. So sinus cavities, the mucous membranes of sort of the mouth and the nose, things like that. So that's why you know, if you're exposed to allergens, let's say pollens are a really easy example, people tend to get watery eyes and sneezing because those mast cells that are in those mucous membranes of the sinus cavities release all their histamine and we get all affected by that. A lot of mast cells line the gastrointestinal tract, which is why dogs and people might experience diarrhea and vomiting if they've got like food intolerance sores or allergies and things like that. In connective tissue that's quite close to the skin surface, which is why we get a lot of redness and itchiness and lesions, particularly in dogs, when they have a histamine release due to allergens. Mm -hmm. Basically, due to its powerful ability to stabilise those mast cells, pee has really potent antihistamine properties and can be effective for all forms of allergies, whether it's airborne, food, contact, without the side effects. So, you know, a lot of the, particularly the first generation antihistamines, the ones that make you drowsy, pee doesn't have those side effects. But if we focus in even more on dogs, most people will be familiar with canine atopic dermatitis. So it's like eczema in dogs. Mm -hmm. It's a genetically predisposed sort of inflammatory condition, huge prevalence worldwide. And it's a really, you know, it's a primary reason why a lot of people take their dogs to the vet for the itchiness that comes with, let's abbreviate it to CAD. So CAD, canine atopic dermatitis. But there was a study done only back in 2015 that assessed the efficacy of P in CAD. So the main things that they were looking at in the study were the level of pruritus or itchiness. And then they were also looking at changes in skin lesions and quality of life. After only eight weeks of treatment with P in these dogs, 80% of dogs showed improvement by week four and 83% by week eight, which the authors reported was similar to what they would see with mainstream medications and better than a lot of other mainstream medications. So that's really good. 96% of the dogs were classified as having moderate to severe pruritus at the beginning and that dropped to 39% of dogs by week eight. Mm. So that's huge. I mean, if you've got a dog with severe itchiness, like anyone who's lived with an itchy dog knows just how it can send you crazy. And the dog. And the dog. 
So any reduction is really good with that. 35% of dogs showed a 50% or greater reduction in itchiness at the end of the study and 30% of the dogs reached what they considered a normal level of itchiness by week eight. Mm -hmm. So in other words, their level of itchiness was comparable to a dog without skin problems and certainly wouldn't be thinking of taking a dog to the vet. So pretty huge after only eight weeks on the pee. Mm. So in terms of the skin lesions, they saw a significant improvement in skin lesions in 80% of the dogs and those dogs that had the worst lesions saw the greatest benefits. Overall, they said 62% of dogs reached a lesion index score that put them in the pretty much normal category. And they also found significantly improved quality of life for the dogs in the study with around 45% of the dogs reaching a quality of life described for healthy animals. So again, really, really important. We all want our dogs and ourselves to have a good quality of life. Itching dogs that sort of are breaking their skin and causing secondary infections and all of that is not not nice. On Instagram, there's a vet called Tactical Veterinarian. Mm -hmm. They post, I don't know if it's a he or she, so I'll say they, they post posts from time to time of some pretty gruesome stuff, which they put up warnings and on the videos and the photos if people want to have a look what vets have to experience. There was one a while ago, and I know it wasn't just related to just itchy skin, but it was a dog with an ear infection where the dog had almost lacerated its own ear off with its back foot due Mm. to scratching its ear. I think when people underestimate how determined a dog can be, humans do it too. I mean, I've... I remember when I was a kid and I used to get eczema and I've scratched myself so red raw on, on the inside of my arms mm. that I had welts and scabs from tearing the skin off my own arm. Sometimes when you're in that much pain and that much frustration is setting in, you don't realise how much damage you're doing to yourself. So that was pretty gruesome, the picture they showed of the dog, you know, almost taking its entire ear off mm. from, the, from the base um, of just scratching its ear. Poor thing. Yeah, yeah it's terrible. So interesting to hear about the relief that pee can bring from mm. scratching incidents. Once again, you're not saying that it's a complete cure for things like that when there's other things going on and when you've got some pretty significant ear bugs going on that need to be treated. But nonetheless, I've still seen dogs scratch themselves absolutely red raw from fleas and dermatitis and so forth. Every dog is, like every person, individual and treatment You know, needs to take that into account. But the other thing, just while we're on it, People need to remember, like, there's no, there's never a magic cure. Mm. So it's not about just giving one new supplement and not changing anything else. If we talk about dogs in the dog's environment. So if you've got a super itchy dog with lots of redness and lesions and just hurting itself from itching, just giving pee, yes, it's part of the solution and it will help, but you need to do a lot of other things in that dog's world to get the best outcome. Supplements and pharmaceuticals are different for different species. Mm. Like even if they're, let's say we're talking about humans for argument's sake, you can have one drug or one natural supplement that you can take that one person will give rave reviews to it and the next person will say didn't really experience much change. So they are different. They're still different nonetheless. But when you're starting to get statistics into the high 80s with good results, that's pretty profound. Yeah, and look, I love that paper on canine atopic dermatitis. I must say, like, they got amazing results in eight weeks. My clinical experience is that it often takes a little bit longer than that. Mm -hmm. Again, that's because every dog's different. Yes. And they have different diets and different environments, things like that. So we've spoken about chronic pain. We've spoken about allergies. Just to touch on a couple of other things that sort of pop up regularly in clinic is digestive disorders. So Mm -hmm. lots of dogs and people suffering from gut issues. So 
The gastrointestinal tract, it actually has like a really dense concentration of those cannabinoid receptors that help to maintain homeostasis and to regulate gut motility and the secretion of digestive enzymes. So it's when these systems go wrong that you start to see intestinal inflammation and diseases like inflammatory bowel disease or irritable bowel syndrome. And studies have shown that pea supplementation, it actually exerts an anti-inflammatory effect in the gut as well as having a positive influence on the gut microbiome, which is really good. And the way it works in the gut is primarily to improve intestinal permeability. So it's basically reducing leaky gut, Mm -hmm. which is really important. And the way it does that is by, so we've got these tight junctions sort of lining our gastric mucosa and our dogs have the same thing. So it sort of locks those tight junctions closer together. So the gut's less porous and then you can't get those large compounds of whether it's pathogenic bacteria or large undigested food particles or whatever, you know, toxic compound that shouldn't be in the bloodstream. It stops it from getting into the bloodstream. And there was actually a study that showed that lower levels of pee are seen in animals with acute intestinal disorders and that dogs affected with chronic diarrhea, it was shown that by giving them pee, it reduced what's called the canine IBD activity index score Mm -hmm. and normalized the intestinal motility, which reduced the frequency and the severity of the diarrhea. That's early information coming through, but it looks like pee could also be good for helping dogs with diarrhea. Okay. So that never hurts either. No, that's good to know. Another area that's not super strong with the research as compared to, say, the chronic pain and the allergies and the gut health of pee, but really interesting, and I know a lot of listeners have dogs with kidney disease. So pee's naturally found in the kidneys and the levels change in response to kidney damage. So studies have found that pee supplementation decreases renal dysfunction and any injury to the kidneys that are triggered by ischemia or reperfusion. And it's also been found that pee can protect the renal blood vessels due to its ability to reduce, let's just call them inflammatory compounds, which is really good. But what's even more fascinating is that it's been shown that you can use less pee, so lower doses of pee, if you combine it with a natural antioxidant compound such as silymarin. And silymarin is one of the key active constituents in milk thistle otherwise known as St. Mary's thistle, which we also have under the canine pseudocles range. Fancy that. But there's actually research that shows (laughs) you can still get like really protective effect of pee on the kidneys at a lower dose if you combine it with milk thistle. Okay. So keep that in mind. And if we look just more broadly now at the anti-inflammatory and the antioxidant benefits of pee, as I've said, the main way that pee reduces inflammation is by preventing the release of damaging pro-inflammatory molecules in the body. But the way it does this is it neutralizes free radicals by binding to them and preventing them from ping-ponging around our body, destroying cells and DNA. And this is really important when it comes to our neurons because our neurons in the brain are super sensitive and highly, highly prone to oxidative damage, which is why P is particularly effective in treating nervous system disorders. So if we think about how pee accumulates in the brain tissue, it does this like following injury of the brain. And early studies are showing that pee has neuroprotective properties. So neuroinflammation is now regarded as a key aspect in the pathogenesis of pretty much all neurodegenerative disorders. So things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, traumatic brain injury, epilepsy, and just like a whole range of those cognitive sort of behavioral and mood disorders. So if we think about our dogs, Like this is particularly important for our senior dogs who are more likely to experience canine cognitive dysfunction syndrome, which just think of that like Alzheimer's disease in humans, but they're similar to the point where 
researchers are now saying that dogs could be a really good model for studying the pathological process of Alzheimer's disease and any new treatment approaches for Alzheimer's disease in humans. Now, that's good in one way, bad in the other if they're doing animal experimentation, but that's how similar our dogs are with us when it comes to neurological functions. Out of everything that I've said, oils ain't oils. So not every pea product is the same or of the same quality. And this is what I'm really passionate about, when, particularly when it comes to clients in clinic, but, you know, dogs, and this is what I've based canonceuticals around, like having quality ingredients that actually will do what they're designed to do. Mm-hmm. Bioavailability matters a lot, particularly when it comes to peas. So pea is a lipid or a fat molecule, which means that it has poor solubility and bioavailability in the body because the body's over 60% water and certain parts of the body are up to 80%. Water. So to overcome this obstacle of like really low bioavailability or poor absorption, special manufacturing processes are required to ensure that the pea can actually get into the tissues and into the cells to do the good work. What's called ultra-micronized pea is a pharmaceutical-grade formulation, and this is what's in the Caneonceuticals Pea Plus. Mm-hmm. It's got more than 99% of the pea has particle sizes below 6 micron. Just think like really, really small. And this is what helps to improve its effectiveness in treating pain and all those other conditions that we've mentioned. So if anyone's looking to buy pea, you really do need to make sure that it says ultra-micronized on the container. And as I've mentioned, like because pea is fat-soluble, another way to ensure optimal uptake is by combining it with a healthy fat source, such as sunflower lecithin, so which further serves to enhance absorption into the body. And that's because sunflower lecithin acts as a natural emulsifying agent, Peas a fat molecule, the body's mostly water, so you know water and fat don't like to hang out together mm-hmm. very well. The sunflower lecithin, one of its arms loves fat and the other arm loves water, so it grabs onto both and pulls them together and they journey throughout the body together and then the pea can go where it wouldn't have gone before because it's got the lecithin with it to get into certain cells. Interesting how symbiosis works with certain things, isn't it? It is, and... I use sunflower lecithin in the Caneonceuticals P+. Another reason why I love sunflower lecithin is it's rich in the nutrient choline, which supports nerve and cellular health. It's also really rich in phospholipids, which promote the uptake of omega-3s in the body. Mm-hmm. They're also really important for gut health and protecting the gut lining. Literally every cell in our body has what's called a phospholipid bilayer. So the phospholipids in the sunflower lecithin help to promote cellular health in that regard as well. So that's bioavailability. Always look for ultramicronized pea for anything that you're buying. Mm -hmm. And just to sort of wrap it up and finish off, talking about the safety of pea. So peas had a really long track record of extremely safe use in human medicine and veterinary medicine, and it's very well tolerated. So you don't expect to see side effects from pea. It's not to say that a small percentage may not get some gastrointestinal upset, but it's the exception rather than the rule. So it Mm -hmm. is a small percentage. Yep. And unlike other chronic pain medications, yeah, definitely no serious side effects. There's no adverse drug-drug interaction. So that's huge for me as a practitioner. If I've got other dog clients or human clients that are on like a heap of medications, I've got to be so careful as to what supplements I prescribe in case they interact with the medication and they can cause either higher levels or lower levels than the person or the dog actually should be getting. Mm. So pee has no interactions with medications. If you're on chronic pain meds or if your dog's on pain meds or anything else, you can safely give pee. The other good safety aspect of pee is that its metabolism in the body is independent of 
the kidney and the liver. So again, if someone or a dog has kidney or liver problems, that's not going to be an issue in giving them pee as well. I guess having said that, never ever change your medications or stop medications without consulting your doctor or your vet. Sounds like sage advice to me. It is. Never go, oh, well, pee, let me just stop everything I'm taking and just take pee. No, you don't Mm. do it. You've got to be sensible about it. Yep. And to give a little bit of a case study just before we finish, pee tends to work very slowly in the body and the human research indicates that it's best to give a loading dose. So you'd give like double the dose for the first, say, four weeks and then you'd reduce it to a maintenance dose. They haven't said that in the dog research literature, which is why I haven't put it on the caninesuticals label. But there's no reason if your dog has been suffering from chronic either pain conditions or allergy conditions or skin issues that you couldn't give a loading dose for the first two weeks, which Mm -hmm. would just be double what the label dose recommends and then bring it back down to the label dose going forward from there. But P, because it's working at a cellular level, it is a slower acting compound. So in this day and age, we expect instant relief. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to take a drug and then within 24 hours, we feel amazing. P is not that compound. And if, let's say you are in chronic pain, and I'll give a case study of like a human that was on very high doses of opioids for chronic pain management. So the approach we took there was not to change his medication dose in the first instance, but to add in the P. And because P takes a little while to build up in the body, we had him on just the P for eight weeks. And then working in with his GP, we then started to taper down the opioids very slowly. And that was the first time he could remember for years and years where he could manage his pain with lower doses of opioids. But it was a very slow process and done in conjunction with a medical professional. Mm. So again, everyone's situation is unique, but that's an example of how you might use it. That's the story of P. And if you're interested in reading more about it, you can jump onto the CanineCeuticals website and look for PEA Plus is the product that I sell. If you've got any questions about how P might benefit your dog, or even you, because I'm a human naturopath, you can send me an email at info at caninesuticals.com.au. And before we do the sign off, tell people where they can find you on Instagram, Facebook, and any other social media platforms that you've got. Canine.suticals on Instagram and Facebook. Go and like my pages there and follow me there. Mm Mm-hmm for lots of tips and updates on health and new products that are always coming out. I was going to say new products that you're releasing. Yeah, particularly for our fresh food feeders and raw food feeders out there. We're developing a nice range of organic freeze-dried organ meats, Mm -hmm. which are a great addition to add variety. And just to make sure your dog's getting everything they need in a home-prepared diet. Yep. Particularly for people who might be vegetarian or vegan or just don't like cutting up squishy organ meats. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's freeze-dried. It's the closest you can get to fresh organ meats nutritionally without dealing with fresh organ meats. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, check it out. Okay. In addition to the CanineCeuticals website, you can find me at naturalhealthandnutrition.com.au. If you're interested in making comments or asking questions about the podcast, you can jump onto the Natural Health for People and Pets Facebook page. Okay. So, there you go. That's all your social medias, all your website addresses and so forth. So, if people need to contact you, they can do so through any one of those services, through Canine Tuticals itself or through Natural Health and Nutrition. Or if they want the podcast information, they can just go to Natural Health for People and Pets. That's it. Lots of ways to find me. Terrific. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.